You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 517 for April 15th, 2020. On today's show, saxophonist Angela Davis returns. A friendly reminder from the Jazz Session that most musicians have seen most of their income dry up during these days of no gigs. And so I encourage you to look up the musicians that you enjoy and whose music you enjoy and buy albums directly from them. Uh, many musicians have things like uh, PayPal and you know Venmo and use the Cash App and things like that where you can uh, make donations. You can buy from their Bandcamp pages, directly from their websites. If you were planning to go see somebody in concert, then perhaps the thing you could do is take the money you would have spent on tickets and just send it to the musician directly. Uh, anything you can do to help keep folks whole while you know there's no shows to play because... Especially, you know, the coronavirus is hitting hardest many of the places where most of those musicians are based. And so it might be a good long while before people can go out and, and play gigs again. This show uh, is also supported by folks like you. So if you are interested in helping me continue to make this, uh, I mostly do work for musicians in my freelance business. And so all of that is gone too. Uh, anything you can do to help support this show helps us quite honestly, you know, pay the rent and put food on the table. You can become a member of the Jazz Session for 5 or $10 a month. You'll get early access to every show, and you'll get bonus episodes and all kinds of cool stuff. And you can do that at thejazzsession.com slash join. Angela Davis has been on this show twice before. This is now the third time, and it's to talk about her latest recording, among other things. Her new album is called Little Did They Know. Davis, welcome back to the Jazz Session. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. You have now joined the small band of people who've been on the show three times, so it's lovely to have you back, although it has been, I was a little shocked to discover it has been five years. I think the last time, wow. yeah, the last time we talked, uh, I think you were still living in Harlem. I think that's the case. And I was living in 
I think in New York and maybe in Pennsylvania. I can't quite remember. And uh, now, of course, you're living in Melbourne and I'm living in Tucson. And uh, you have had one other small change to your life, which is that you've become a mom since the last time I talked to you. So enormous congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, big changes uh, <laughs> since five years ago. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> So Absolutely. tell me a little bit about the decision to move back to Australia and, and choosing, you know, Melbourne and being part of that scene. How, what has that been like and, and what motivated it? It was always on the back of my mind to move back to Australia. Um, just because there is such a vibrant, you know, beautiful jazz scene here and we're very lucky. And I was living with my uh, husband in New York and, you know, both of us always had that goal to eventually move home. And the trumpeter, James Morrison, I don't know if you're aware of him, but he opened a jazz school in Mount Gambia. And my husband received an offer to start working there. And that kind of gave us the push to to move here uh, permanently. And Melbourne is just has such a beautiful, vibrant jazz scene with a lot of clubs. Unfortunately, none of which are open at the moment, but sure. uh, five or six clubs that are open every night of the week. So in terms of moving from New York back to Australia, uh, Melbourne was definitely probably the easiest transition for us in terms of, you know, continuing to play gigs and all of that. So it wasn't a, a huge shock to the system when it came down to it in the end. Is it easier to find work there, to play steady gigs, that kind of thing? How competitive is it? I mean, New York City, you know, is kind of famously can be challenging to find not only places to play, but then people to come to the places where you play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny because, you know, New York has well, obviously a lot more clubs than Melbourne. But as you said, there are a lot more musicians and it is really competitive. So, you know, it wasn't actually, you know, too hard to find work. Of course, you know, something I had to build up over time. But, you know, I think I've found myself in a situation where I'm in a bunch of different groups that play varying music and a lot of cybang gigs as well as working as a leader myself. So I always like to have that balance between being a sideman and a leader. I really love both gigs and you know, obviously a completely different mindset. But I've managed to be able to do that in Melbourne and, you know, play with a lot of different musicians. So, you know, it took it took a while, of course, like it does everywhere. You know, when you move to a new place, it always takes a little bit to kind of get into the scene. But, yeah, it's, I'm finding it to be pretty busy and, you know, a lot of challenging music, which is always good, a lot of teaching as well. So, yeah, I feel lucky that I've, kind of landed on my feet here and it's a, it's a great lifestyle as well and you know we have a house with a backyard and <laughs> just like new york morning, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah so you know that's that's nice as well of course to, to have the space especially when you grow up with that i think you always crave it you know uh you want to get that back at some point i think <laughs> Thank you. 
in May, you released an album on uh, ABC Jazz called Little Did They Know, which is a, a trio recording. And the trio, uh, just to start uh, where we should start, the trio itself is fabulous. Will you talk about who's with you on the record? On piano, I was lucky enough to play with the great Tony Gould, who really is an Australian legend. You know, he has been an educator here in Australia for... 40, 50 years, and is my favorite pianist to play with, hands down, in the world. He is just a beautiful musician. He has a lot of, uh, you know, class- classical European jazz influences, you know, Bach, Mahler, Stravinsky, and I think we suit each other in terms of the fact that we love melodies and we like to highlight the melody, um, and he's most famous saying is it's all or you know it's nothing else if it's not about truth and beauty that's all it's about and I kind of agree with that as well and on base uh, we have Sam Anning who you know I'm sure very well he lived in New York for many years and you know is just a incredible bass player a beautiful band member he's so empathetic and really kind of is the glue for this album he just lays down the time and you know follows us and just an incredible musician all around and a beautiful listener. So he's on bass and Sam's been a great friend of mine for a very long time. So I felt very lucky to have him on the recording as well. So basically, you know, it's my it's my dream dream band and we were lucky enough to perform at the ABC studios in Melbourne um, uh, with Mal Stanley at the desk who you know, gave us the opportunity to just come in one day and just lay those tunes down. So, yeah, I feel really lucky to have that opportunity to do that when I came back here. Let's take a quick break. I just wanted to remind you that the Jazz Session, which is the first and oldest jazz interview podcast, is supported by people just like you. If you enjoy this show, if you listen to it, whether you listen to every episode or you go through and just pick the people that you're familiar with, whatever you do, if you get anything out of this show at all, I would be very grateful if you would put a little back in. It's just 5 or $10 a month to become a member. I know many of us are going through financially difficult times right now, but if you're lucky enough to maybe not be going through a particularly difficult financial time, uh, perhaps you could chip in a little bit to the production of this show. You can go to thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member, and really, thank you. And, of course, keen-eared listeners will note that in listing the band members, you did not list a drummer because the makeup of this band is saxophone, bass, and piano. Tell me about that decision. When I was thinking about the repertoire I wanted to play, and then also thinking about Tony and how we played together, it almost seemed to me like a drummer would get in the way, or it was almost, for this kind of music, a little unnecessarily... Because we were going down, in a way, more of a classical tradition and folk folk songs and, you know, it's almost like a chamber record in a way. 
And so I just couldn't couldn't hear a drummer in there. But that being said, I think that's why we needed Sam on bass to really be just this solid rock of a bass player. Um, so we can kind of twist in and out of time and and be a chamber ensemble. Um, I think it might not have worked with another bass player other than Sam purely because he knows us both so well. And he, yeah, like I said before, he was the glue that stuck it together. But I just couldn't really hear drums. In the, you know, it's not a traditional jazz record. It's, I, I like to think of it more, I guess, as a chamber jazz record. I am uh, a big fan of, uh, you know, kind of old movies and as a result, and obviously also of this music. And so as a result, years and years ago, I got into uh, Charlie Hayden's Quartet West, um, which was a a band Mm -hmm. that kind of married, like, uh, in some cases, a kind of film noir sensibility with Charlie's compositions and those of others. And so when I started listening to your record the first time and got to our Spanish love song, which is on the very first Quartet West record and is one of my all time favorite pieces and which I did not know because I hadn't read the song titles, I didn't know was on Mm. this record. It just made my heart swell. It's such an unbelievably beautiful song. And this trio on your album, I mean, you guys do it so much justice. And so I just wanted to ask you how it uh, ended up on here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it's one of Tony's uh, favourite tunes. He actually suggested that we play that. Um, and then I hadn't actually heard it before, or maybe I had once or twice, but I it, I didn't remember it. And then after Tony suggested it, I had to listen to it. And like you said, it's just such a beautiful melody and a beautiful piece. And it is hard to, to do it justice, so thank you for saying that. It's It's a... You know, it's a bit scary taking on a, a song like that, but it's so perfect in its original uh, form. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun playing that together and playing that melody together. And, you know, Tony just plays incredibly on it. And yeah, it's really one of my favourite compositions, that one. It's just, the melody is so simple yet so unbelievably perfect, as, uh, yeah, as you know. of the people who are on this record with you I'm interested in how much kind of arranging you did yourself you know how much you said here's how I want this to go how I want it to feel 
versus let's try this and see what it sounds like. Can you talk about kind of the balance between those things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was very different in that sense than any other of my records in the fact that we didn't really arrange anything too much. You know, the most arranging we probably did is that, you know, Tony would say, yes, I'll take a solo on this piece or Sam said, I'll solo or I'll say, Sam, can you start this one like he does on Spanish Love Song? Um, you know, it, there weren't a lot of charts. Nothing was really heavily arranged. Um, it was more of the sense of, I will probably take a couple of choruses, you probably take a couple of choruses, and then we'll just play the melody. Um, so, you know, it's very different to Lady Luck with a full string quartet. Everything's written out exactly how, you know, how much everyone's in the solo and when. Um, this one was more just let's just play and see if we can get a good take. Um, and it was interesting because we just had the one day to record. And, you know, we probably didn't do more than two or three takes per song because, you know, we went in there with the mindset of let's play this melody, let's play a melodic solo, let's really connect. And then there's only so many takes of that you need to do before it's not actually going to get any better. And then you just end up with a bunch of takes that aren't as sincere, I think. So I think it was our goal to just, maybe do two takes, pick the best take, and if we're in the moment and we're really listening and really connecting, yeah, you can just do that a couple of times and it's I don't think it's going to get better. So it was very different in that sense. And also, you know, a little scary because um, if you're not in the right mindset, it's not going to come across and then it's a wasted day, you know. So it was definitely about us all being in the same mindset and I think being very good friends also helps a recording like that because you're making music with friends, you know. So it was very different in that sense as well. Not that I'm not very good friends with everyone else on my other records, but it was more of a let's just get in here and make some, try to make some beautiful music and see what happens. So, yeah, well, it wasn't heavily arranged at all. And it, it was interesting that we all three of us knew which take instantly was the one. There was no kind of arguing or, you know, differing, differing opinions with that. It was just, oh, of course, that's the take. Beautiful. Let's move on. It sounds like you're describing a real level of trust between the musicians. Absolutely. Yes. Huge trust. Yeah. Huge trust. And also, I think, respect. Respect for the other two musicians in the band, that they're at the highest level and also just feeling very lucky in the situation. I would always remind myself how lucky I was to have this day that would never, ever happen again. So, yeah, just feeling very lucky, trusting musicians, and just also just honoured to, to lay something down with them, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud of this record, and I'll, I'm sure look back on it very fondly, always. There are four of your own compositions on this record. Will you uh, tell me a little about them? Were they things that you prepared for this session? Were they things that you you know had done before but wanted to approach with this band? Tell me the a little bit of the backstory. There. Yeah, sure. I think uh, Circuit for Three was definitely obviously written for this band. Um, Circuit for Three, as in it's it's a it's a trio, and and uh, when you listen to that, you'll obviously know that. Uh, you know, we all take turns in playing the melody in a different key. Um, it follows the diminished cycle. So I take it in C and then Tony in E flat and then Sam in D flat 
and then I've got it back at A, and then we get back to the beginning. I had wondered whether the title referred to this trio or to your new family trio, although I guess, obviously, you knew you were going to have a baby, but you didn't have a baby when this album was made. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Uh, Another song is actually about um, Max, my baby. Yeah, he was just very, very very in the very early stages when I recorded this record but uh no Secret for Three was written for the trio um but The Light Between Us was actually written about Max um kind of refers to you know him being inside and the light between us I guess um it's a hard one to explain but yeah he, he that was written for Max um but Secret for Three yeah I had Tony and Sam in mind when I wrote that one and we've okay. mentioned Charlie Hayden because he wrote uh, our Spanish love song, but there's also a piece on here that you wrote uh, called "Hymn for Hayden." Yes, uh, dedicated to the great Charlie Hayden. That was that, I've had that one for a while, but haven't had the opportunity uh, to record that with anyone. And I thought, that, you know, a perfect band to record it. Yes, and then the fourth one I'm, is the title track. I think, sorry, the title track. Oh, yeah, of course, the title track. Yeah. Um, this album, yeah, by the way, is called Little Did They Know, which is named after one of your compositions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to blame it on mum brain <laughs> early in the morning. Um, yeah, Little Did They Know was also written for the trio, and it's kind of, I like the name because I often think in my life, little did we know this was going to happen, or, you know, little did they, I like that saying, little did they know this was about to happen to them. Um, and so it's more, it's just in reference to that you never know what is coming around the corner in life. And I really, really like that thought that I, in two years' time, who knows where we'll be or what we'll be doing. And it's very, I guess, relevant to what's happening in the world today. You just, you just never know what's around the corner. So that's what I wrote that tune about. But yeah, so that that one and Circle for Three and The Light Between Us was all... Uh, written for the trio and all brand new compositions just for the record. Let me take one more break to thank the folks who make the jazz session possible, starting with you, the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music. Dave Rabel made the logo, and Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him to do your voiceovers at hearchucknow.com. You can follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at Jazz Sesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at The Jazz Session. Right now I'm posting a photo on weekdays from more than 20 years of jazz shows and interviews. Take a second, if you would, to rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really improves my chances of reaching new listeners. And if you'd like to keep up to date on my podcasts, my poetry, and more, you can subscribe to my twice-monthly newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. One of the things that you'll find if you subscribe to my newsletter is that I have brought back a brief chat, my other show, as a weekday 10-minute program, and you can find that at abriefchat.com. Now back to the show.
one of the times that I was listening to this, uh, my partner w- came into the room and said, oh, I'm pretty sure this is a song we did in church. And uh, it w- was the Handel piece that you had arranged, uh, which I guess must also be a hymn. Uh, it didn't sound familiar to me, but they sung the whole melody along with you while you were playing it on the saxophone. So uh, oh, they're, wow. they're, they're either psychic or uh, it is, in fact, a hymn also. So uh, t- tell me about that piece. Um, again, that was one um, that Tony suggested. Um it's you know it's by Handel uh, and it was just a favorite piece of his um, that you know it's, it's probably not recorded on a jazz record maybe I don't think it has been before but he had the idea that he would play the melody throughout and I would just improvise on top of that um, which again is a little bit of a scary challenge to take on because it's a, it's a beautiful piece. Um, and I really didn't want to ruin it. Um, if you know what I mean? Because <laughs> um, when you like, you hear that with people just improvise over melodies, and it's like, wow, you really ruined that piece for me. So it was a bit of a challenge, but um, it was Tony's suggestion, and I'm actually really happy with how how it uh, turned out. And again, we did a few takes, and well, once we did that take, we thought, ah, I can't really. I can't do any better than that, so let's let's keep it um, in the in the sense that we were happy with it. Not that I thought that was horrible. I can't do any better. Um, we just had a bit of a moment between the two of us. Um, and again, on on all my records so far, I've only got three, but uh, I finished with a duo piece on each record, and so this one was just perfect to finish the record. Um, and there are some other sections, but we just decided to do the first two sections of the piece. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really like it. But yeah, that was a bit of a challenge, that one, and I was a bit worried about doing it. But Tony is the first person to tell you if you're not being honest and you're, you know, doing a horrible job of playing the melody or, you know, you're not doing the piece justice. So he was happy with it. Um, I was happy with it. Uh, so that's why we kept it. You mentioned that this was recorded at ABC's Melbourne Studios and ABC, mm-hmm. which is kind of the major uh, public broadcaster, is that right, in Australia? Yeah. And yep. so uh, how did it come to be that you made this record there? Um, well, uh, I, I actually approached Mal Stanley, who is a brilliant uh, producer but has been... Um, with ABC Jazz for, uh, I don't want to make it up, but it must be 20, 20 or so years, I would think. Um, but he has been huge in the Australian jazz scene for a very long time and is always very supportive of the musicians and plays a lot of Australian jazz on, on the radio, uh, which is really, of course, helpful for us. Um, getting our music out there and into Australia. And he's just also a beautiful, supportive person. So I approached Mal about, you know, the idea he had, I had for the record and he got straight back to me and locked it in. And, and then we were doing it just for broadcast. But then uh, he presented it to ABC Music, which is the record label, and they decided to release it. And there we have it. So, yeah, I'm very grateful to Mal all of his support you know of course 
and he, he's the perfect producer in the sense that he has fantastic suggestions in the moment but didn't overproduce it because it wasn't that kind of record in a sense. So, yeah, he was the perfect fit for us given our personalities and the music we play and it's a beautiful, beautiful studio um, in um, Melbourne and they're actually just uh, redoing the whole area to make it a big art precinct so the University of Melbourne is there as well and it, it often reminds me of uh, Lincoln Centre you know, with the opera and the ballet there and Juilliard. That's, kind of, I think, kind of what Melbourne is going for at the moment uh, with that precinct. So, yeah, very happy to have recorded there. In the last few weeks of interviews, it's of course been unavoidable to talk about the current situation uh, that we're all in here in April of 2020. And I'm wondering what things are like in Melbourne in terms of uh, coronavirus and lockdowns. And obviously, you know, in the last year, there's been more than just a virus to hit uh, Australia. So I'm, I'm curious what, what your daily life is like now. Yeah, well, I guess um, we're lucky in the sense that it hasn't changed too much for a couple of reasons. The first reason being we have a baby. So, um, you know, he is definitely keeping us occupied and nothing has changed there. We're getting up early in the morning and, you know, looking after him, which is a heap of fun. Um, and we're also lucky in the sense that my husband and I are both teaching online through Zoom. So we teach at a couple of universities, James Morrison Academy. Um, that's gone online and I also teach an ensemble class at the University of Melbourne. So with that and Max, um, we're actually just keeping really busy. You know, apart from the fact that all gigs were very quickly wiped from the book, I'm, I'm missing that greatly, playing with other people. Um, but I'm just trying to keep practicing and, you know, before Max arrived, we built a studio out the back, um, which is perfect for teaching online and practicing. Late at night, and um, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, a really sad time to not make music with other people. But I like that everyone is trying to continue to make music online, and there's I've seen some brilliant workshops and some brilliant online concerts. And um, there's a saxophone player by the name of Dave Seek who is putting together an online recording of a big band um, for the Australian National Jazz. Uh, big band so uh, you know I like that musicians are still forging ahead you know because this is what we do we can't just stop stop making music and stop playing and I, I feel lucky that I have that to keep me going as well as as Max 
yeah, I'm not sure what it's like where you are, uh, but that's, that's our situation at the moment. And I know you've been involved in some other projects that uh, we talked uh, before we started recording about a, a Dectet record, for example, that you were involved with, which uh, from the little bit that I saw online sounded really good. Uh, will you say something about that and maybe anything else that you're involved with, uh, you know, recording wise or looking forward to being involved with? Yeah, sure. That's a recording from Johannes Lubbers, who's a great composer. Um, and in a way, I guess it's also a slightly chamber recording. I don't really want to say that because it's with a rhythm section as well. Um, but he is a brilliant composer. And, you know, I haven't really heard anyone write like him before. And it's a really interesting instrumentation. Um, and he had the idea to write 10 new pieces inspired by the band members. But he, he met with each member of the band and talked to them about what music they're inspired by and if they were to have a piece written for them, what they would like for, to be in that piece. And so that's the new recording done. He's just released the first album and then there's another album coming out with the other pieces, I think, in about a year. But I think that's a really interesting concept for a composer to come up with, you know, to write tunes specifically for the band members. And when you hear the pieces and you know the people that they were written for, you can, you know, hear their personalities within the piece, which I think is really fun as well. Um, and I'm playing a lot with Andrea Keller, who is a fantastic Australian pianist and composer. So I'm also always really excited about that. We have a couple of groups. Um, that I'm involved in that Andrea has started and one the composers circle uh, with a great you know great band of Melbourne musicians and we were getting together once a month and playing um, and writing tunes for that group so I guess this is a perfect time to write some new music for that group and then I'm also in a trio with Andrea she has a great uh, series called the Transient Trios and she's just actually released an album um, with some of those trios on that, but she puts together different people throughout Melbourne and plays every Thursday at a, a jazz club called Uptown Jazz Cafe. So that's also oh, a very exciting group that I'm, I'm looking forward to get, getting back into once all of this has passed. My guest has been Angela Davis. She has a gorgeous new album, which I just cannot recommend highly enough, called Little Did They Know. It's on ABC Jazz and available everywhere music is available, and I highly encourage you to buy it and also to keep your eye on Angela and anything she does in the future. And speaking of uh, times, you can also keep an eye on things she did in the past by going to thejazzsession.com, and there are two other interviews with Angela in the archives, which you can find and listen to at your leisure. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on Max and all the great things that are happening for you in Melbourne. And I look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you again. If you value what you just heard, I hope you become a member for 5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Many thanks to this week's guest, Angela Davis. Next week's show, I'm sure we'll feature somebody. I just haven't booked it yet. <laughs> I probably should. Until then, support live music by paying the musicians who you'd normally go see. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.
evening, everybody. Bye.